Last week, I talked about personal well-being, what it is, why you need to think about it, and I gave you a model for using it. This week, I'm taking, taking it to the team level, to the organizational level. We're going to be looking at well-being at work. What is it? Why it is so beneficial to employers as much as employees, maybe even more so, and some factors to consider. If you're a manager, you lead a team, you own an organization, or frankly, if you work, this is a podcast you'll want to listen to. Welcome to the Achieve More podcast, where I help people and teams overcome challenges and achieve peak potential using neuroscience and high-performance skills, tools, and approaches. My name is Michael Scheel, and I'm a high-performance coach and transformation consultant. I have over 23 years of experience in coaching and consulting people, teams, and organizations to improve and achieve more with what they have. I love to give tactical, easy-to-implement ways to help teams and individuals create their visions, overcome challenges, and achieve their goals. So today's focus is really at the team or the organizational level. We're talking about well-being in the workplace. Now there are numerous global surveys in psychology, organizational design, and other studies that show us why it's so darn important. And it, it is absolutely profound to me the kind of impact it can have on, on you, the, the, the employee, the person, but also on the team and on the organization at a whole bunch of different levels. So today we're going to talk about what we mean by it. We're going to talk about the benefits of well-being at work. And there's, there's a whole bunch, but I'm going to be, really be doing that at the team level. I'm going to give you five of the most important factors to consider. So there's, the, the studies have really found that there's you know, upwards of 15, 20 different separate benefits I could talk about. I could talk about all day about the benefits of well-being at work. But really, I'm going to focus on what I think are the five most important ones. I'm going to give you some principles to consider for it as well. All right. Without further ado, let's jump right in. So what is it? Well-being at work refers to the overall state of an individual's physical, mental, and emotional health and satisfaction within the context of their work environment. Encompasses a sense of balance, fulfillment, and positive experience that an employee derives from their job and the conditions in which they work. While being at work goes beyond the mere absence of negative factors like stress and dissatisfaction, it includes the presence of positive factors that contribute to a rewarding and enriching work experience. So next, I want to talk about, you know, why bother thinking about that? That's nice, Michael, but why should we care about this? We're going to start with the cost of not doing it. So Gallup has been looking into well-being at work for over 30 years. Over that time, they have interviewed 43 million employees on 5 million teams in more than 5,000 organizations in 212 countries. That is a lot of data, and it is, and they have seen consistently some results. They found that, you know, in terms of not doing it, that 75% of medical costs accrued by organizations mostly due to preventable conditions, which can be addressed largely through proper well-being program. There are $20 million of additional lost opportunity for every 10,000 workers due to struggling or suffering employees. $322 billion of turnover and lost productivity costs globally due to employee burnout. And 15% to 20% of the total payroll and voluntary turnover costs on average due to burnout. So those are a whole bunch of costs. If you own an organization, if you run an organization, regardless of the size, that is a lot of cost. Now, if you compare employees who are engaged but not thriving with those who are engaged and thriving, so they're really fully engaged and they're, they're, they're thriving within a, an environment of well-being, those who aren't thriving report the following risks. They are 61% more likely to have a higher likelihood of burnout, often or always. They have 48% higher likelihood of daily stress. They have a 66% higher likelihood of daily worry and double the rate of daily sadness and anger. 
So right off the bat, there you can see a whole bunch of benefits or sort of the opportunity cost, if you will, to both the organization and the individual. Now, I'm going to go into, there's, there are numerous studies that have shown us the very specific benefits on the flip side as opposed to the opportunity cost. I'm going to give you some of the specific ones and go into it, just maybe in the top two or three, and I'll list off some of the other ones to show you that there is a deep level of benefit for this. Number one, you get an increased job performance and productivity. Employees who experience higher levels of well-being tend to be more engaged, motivated, and focused on their tasks. This leads to improved job performance and increased productivity. Now, I wanted to look in and find, are there specific studies that have shown us how much? And yes, there are. Now, of course, this is going to be different. Everybody's different and the context is different. But, you know, basically different studies have found anywhere from a 12% to 21% improvement in terms of performance and productivity. You know, a study conducted by the University of Work found that uh, happy employees were around 12% more productive than their less happy counterparts. Uh, the Gallup uh, meta-analysis that I talked about, they've, they've, they've sort of, they do their analysis every year, but they did a meta-analysis meta of over 100,000 work units across, around the world and found that teams with high levels of employee engagement were 21% and well-being, I should say, were 21% more productive. Um, and there's a whole bunch of others. There's, a, let's see, a research published in the Journal of Applied Psychology found that interventions aimed at improving well, employee well-being were associated with a 17% increase in performance. So you see a whole bunch of different uh, um, studies done. Now, if you take a look at the details, it depends upon the conditions and the regression analysis, etc. But there are some very um, specific and significant improvements uh, in productivity. That kind of makes sense to me. If you're happy and engaged and you feel like you're in a good, trusting, safe environment, you're just going to want to perform. Number two, you get reduced absenteeism and turnover. So well-being at work is associated with lower rates of absenteeism and turnover. Satisfied and engaged employees are more likely to remain with their current employers, reducing recruitment and training costs. And I know from other studies that part of that is because when you when you were in an uh, environment that supports your well-being, you're going to feel trust and safety. You're going to enjoy there and you're going to want to push yourself to, to be a little bit, uh, to, to take advantage of all the opportunities you have. Um, there's a whole bunch of range. So again, I took a look at very specific results here. Uh, Harvard Business Review uh, conducted a study. Uh, they found that companies that invested in employee well-being programs experienced a 14% reduction in absenteeism and a 28% decrease in employee turnover. It's crazy. Uh, Towers Watson is a very well-regarded international uh, HR organization. They reported that organizations with high employee well-being had a turnover rate that was nearly half that of organizations with lower well-being scores. Uh, and the third thing that is, well, I've got some very specific details, is higher financial performance. So this is, again, from a team or an organizational perspective. For people who think, well, well-being is kind of uh, soft, what I'm trying to give you here is that it's not a soft topic. There are hard benefits to organizations. There's a bunch of research that suggests that organizations that prioritize employee well-being often experience improved financial performance. Now, the exact... Uh, the exact performance increase, again, like those other things, it depends upon the context and you do a whole bunch of regression analysis. But I found two really good reports from, from well-respected organizations. Uh, <clears throat> one is a report by the Global Wellness Institute indicated that companies that invest in comprehensive wellness programs could experience a three-to-one return on investment in terms of healthcare cost savings and productivity improvements. And PricewaterhouseCoopers, a, a large, well-known consulting and auditing firm, conducted a study that suggested a potential return of $2.30 for every dollar invested in well-being initiatives. So again, there you can see that there's, from a financial perspective, a very good ROI for these things. Now I'm going to run through a list of some of the other 
uh, well-known uh, benefits, but I'm not going to go into as much detail just to, to save us time. So we know from studies that there's also, uh, if you uh, introduce a corporate well-being program for your employees, you will get enhanced creativity and innovation. You'll get improved physical and mental health for your employees. They will have higher job satisfaction and motivation, enhanced teamwork and collaboration, increased organizational loyal loyalty, uh, increased uh, views, uh, perceptions of a positive organizational culture, improved customer satisfaction, I like that one, uh, the, uh, an improved ability to adapt to change, and reduced workplace conflict. So those, I think, are some pretty important benefits. And again, that just sort of underlies why this is an important topic. Jumping forward, I want to give you some principles to consider when thinking about well-being at work. Regardless of what the program looks like or how you introduce it, these are some, some principles that, that will help you shape what it is you're going to be doing. Number one, leadership commitment. Uh, based on a whole bunch of, of research in psychology and organizational wellness, uh, this, this comes out loud and clear. Top-down support is crucial. Leaders need to be able to champion the well-being initiatives, allocate resources, and actively participate in the programs themselves to set a positive example. That massive study by Gallup that I talked about at the beginning has found that well-being programs need to come from the top to be successful. Those that don't uh, tend to peter out and employees don't tend to trust it. Uh, for the well-being programs to work well, there needs to be group buy-in uh, from a large part of the of the employee workforce and that comes when they see some very significant senior leadership and they see that it's not just that the leaders aren't just walking the uh, talking the talk that they're walking the walk and and this sort of concept is backed up regularly by large change management research completed by ProSci I, I look at that every year in terms of what are the factors that that support uh, transformation in an organization perspective the project management institute looks at this as well and we know that one of the key factors to achieve successful large transformation projects is support from middle and upper management. Number two, um, the second principle I want to talk about is a needs assessment. I don't know if this is a principle so much as it's a factor to consider when you do it. You want to conduct a thorough assessment to understand your employees' well-being needs, preferences, and challenges. You, know, you can use surveys, focus groups, or whatever. Uh, several studies have found this to be critical because there is no one main model of well-being at work. It's not like there's a specific model that says these are the four factors or five factors or ten things you need to do every single time. Every workplace is different, uh, and and even if it's the same company, each each sort of context of offices can be different too. So you really need to take into account the uniqueness of your workforce, where you are, how you work, what you do, and what your employees do. Are they hybrid? Are they virtual? Are they in person? Are you all in one location? Are you multiple locations? Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things you need to take into account. So that's super important. Number three, take a holistic approach. You need to address various dimensions of well-being, including physical, mental, emotional, social, and even financial aspects. A comprehensive approach ensures a well-rounded impact. This is an important principle because it recognizes the interconnectedness of various aspects of an individual's health and satisfaction. Holistic well-being initiatives consider the whole person and their multifaceted needs, leading to more comprehensive and sustainable outcomes. If you take a look at the research into feeling overwhelmed and burned out, uh, there, there are a variety of inter environmental considerations, but really what it comes to is pressure across a, a variety of aspects of your life. It's not just one or two things that are going to cause you to burn out. It's pressure and stress across multiple aspects. And so if you're going to address that from a well-being program perspective, you need to come up with, with multiple different levels. This isn't a, um, it, it doesn't have to be complicated, uh, but it, you just have to be thoughtful and holistic. 
Number four, this reflects somewhat what we talked about already, a tailored approach. You need to recognize that employees have diverse needs. You need to design a well-being strategy that offers a range of programs and resources catering to various aspects of well-being. Again, somewhat like number two, this can't be a cookie-cutter approach that's the same thing for every single person. This principle recognizes that individuals have unique needs, preferences, and challenges. A one-size-fits-all approach may not effectively address the diverse well-being requirements of a diverse workforce. There's a huge body of research and evidence that highlights the potential drawbacks and challenges of adopting a one-size-fits-all or a non-tailored approach. And what we know, if you take a cookie-cutter approach, is that you will get low engagement or participation from staff. It will be ineffective. Staff will have a negative perception of both the program and well-being and the organization. You can actually, you can actually decrease, um, you can increase uh, employee absenteeism and turnover by doing a poor well-being program. There's a whole list of things that happen: decreased morale, uh, there's um, increased, uh, decreased retention, increased turnover, uh, diminished organizational reputation. A whole bunch of, of challenges happen if you do a, a poor cookie-cutter approach to your wellness program. Uh, number five, I want you to uh, in involve your employees. Um, employee, uh, employee involvement in the planning and decision making of what this wellness program looks like and how is it working and where is it going is absolutely critical from a change management perspective and a long-term organizational impact. You know, and there's there's a couple of reasons for that. Studies have shown, you know, from a relevance and ownership perspective, when employees are actively involved in the design and implementation of the initiative, they're going to be it, the the program will become more relevant to their unique needs and challenges because they can tell you here's what it here's what it needs to look like. Employees have firsthand insights into the well-being concerns and preferences. Involvement empowers them to take ownership of their well-being journey, increasing their sense of control and responsibility. You're going to get enhanced engagement and motivation from the staff, which is one of the biggest benefits that you will get out of this that has such a ripple effect on so much within the organization. When you involve employees in a well-being program, planning and decision making, it sends a strong message that their well-being is a priority for their organization. They This fosters a sense of appreciation and value and studies have shown that it boosts employee morale and engagement. And that is so huge. That is like that is, is one of the biggest things you can get out of all of this. So those are really the five principles that I want you to think about if you're planning on rolling out an employee well-being. You need, you need leadership commitment at the middle and high, high levels. You need to do a needs assessment, take a holistic approach, take a tailored approach, uh, and involve your employees. Okay, next I want to, to move on to what are the factors that you need within a well-being program? What actually works? You can take a look and you can Google this and find all kinds of studies, but what, what, what do the studies show, what does experience show us actually works in terms of improving employee well-being? Now again, just like with the benefits, there are so many here to consider. There are actually all kinds of studies that show a variety of factors, and I could go on for hours, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give you five to consider. These aren't the five. I'm not going to take a cookie-cutter approach and say these are the five you have to every single time. But these are the five that are, uh, there is a crossover in terms of surveys and studies and experience from psychology, the worlds of organizational design, uh, change management, behavior improvement, Gallup's long-running study, etc. So these five, I think, are the most relevant based upon my experience at, at, at improving uh, employee well-being at organizations and based on the studies. Now, the first couple are based uh, largely coming out of Gallup's long-ranging study. And why would I do that? Because, well, the sheer volume of evidence. They've been doing it for 30 years with over 4 million interviews across 212 countries. You're going to see that's a significant amount of data to look at. And they have been parsing through it year after year after year, and they've found some similar results. 
and their findings from their research have been supported by separate studies in the fields of high performance psychology and neuroscience and I have seen these exact same factors uh, in my own work when I work with uh, improving community organizations. So their top finding is that employee engagement drives employee well-being. That is a big high-level finding. Employee engagement drives employee well-being. You know, it's interesting. Separately, one of my favorite neuroscience authors, Amy, found that engagement and motivation are the key factors to employees thriving at the workplace. So again, this is where there's an overlap. Two very uh, significant, important um, sources of, of information came up with the same conclusion. So some of the reasons that Gallup found that employee engagement drives employee well-being are because engaged employees are more open and comfortable discussing broader well-being issues in their lives, and managers can quickly direct them towards positive solutions. They found that engaged employees are less likely to question the intentions of the well-being program, and that engaged employees have strong relationships with others on their team. Amy Brand, that neuroscientist and author that I talked about, uh, emphasizes the importance of employee engagement based on insights from her neuroscience research. Her work focuses on understanding how the brain functions in the context of work and how organizations can optimize employee performance and well-being. Her perspective, and there's, uh, she's got about four or five different reasons, uh, reasons here, which I, again, you know, if you've listened to me before, I like to talk a little bit about the neuroscience of these things because that lets you know how the brain and body work together and it helps you to think about this. How can you effectively apply this in your own life? So, uh, so number one, she found uh, improved neurological activation. Engaged employees experience higher levels of neurological activation in the areas of the brain associated with motivation, learning, and reward. Now, if I was an employer, I'd like that. I want to create an environment where I uh, create an environment where I'm, my employees are, are thinking about improved motivation learning and feeling rewarded for that. When employees are engaged, their brains release neurotransmitters such as dopamine, which contribute to feelings of pleasure and satisfaction. This activation in the end enhances cognitive functioning and productivity. And you gotta like that if you're an employer. There, she found positive emotions. Engaged employees experience positive emotions like enthusiasm, pride, and enjoyment. These positive emotions are associated with the release of neurochemicals that support cognitive flexibility, creativity, and problem solving. Again, if I were an employer, I'd really want that. Stress reduction. So if you're an, an engaged employee, uh, that's you, you actually, studies have shown that you've got reduced levels of stress versus those that aren't. Engagement triggers the release of neurochemicals that counteract stress hormones. Engaged employees have been found to be better equipped to manage stress and handle pressure, leading to improved mental well-being and reduced risk of burnout. Uh, neuroscientific research has indicated that engaged employees are more open to learning and have enhanced neuroplasticity, which leads to improved growth and enhancement in the areas that they focus on. This means that, you know, engaged employees are more receptive to training, skill development, and adapting to new challenges. And there's a whole bunch of others here. Uh, performance enhancement, engaged employees are more likely to invest their full cognitive resources and their effort into their tasks. This heightened task, sorry, this heightened focus and attention on their tasks leads to improved performance, productivity, and overall job satisfaction. So really what I'm, find, what I'm saying here is based on neuroscience research and based on global survey, that uh, employee engagement is absolutely key to uh, achieving employee well-being. Okay, and so the next question that I automatically ask if employee engagement is so important, how do you drive that? How do you create that? Well, there's a whole bunch of research by psychologists and organizational design experts that show a variety of factors. 
there are some though that have been reinforced by that study that Gallup had talked about. And so I'm going to focus on those uh, for this podcast. And for over 30 years, they've found consistently that the three factors that most impact um, employee well-being and employee engagement are my job, my manager, and overall well-being. And I'll talk about the, each of those in a second. So my job, meaningful, engaging work. So uh, what they found were that employees who found meaningful, engaging work, that they found that their work was meaningful and engaging to them, um, felt more well-being. Engaging in work that aligns with your individual values, interests, and skills can promote a sense of purpose and fulfillment. When employees find their work meaningful and engaging, and it's fulfilling and, and purposeful, they're more likely to experience higher levels of satisfaction and well-being. So what Gallup found was that your job needs to build on your strengths, so a strength-based approach. You need to feel like you have positive contributions, that you're not just grinding the wheel, that you're doing something positive and contributing to something that you feel personally is important. Uh, you need to have room to develop and grow and enhance your skills. And you should have stretch goals so that you can be engaged. All right, so that's my job. So what Gallup found, the number two factor for, for achieving uh, employee engagement is what they sort of bracket as my manager. What they found were that um, managers who act more as coaches uh, create uh, an environment that improves employee well-being. So, you know, effective leadership plays a crucial role in fostering the well-being because supportive managers who provide guidance, feedback, and opportunities for growth create a positive work environment. Empathetic and communicative leaders can help buffer stress and create a sense of psycho psychological safety. So some of the factors that they found most important out of all of that were that uh, employees like uh, a manager who supports them in their goals. So who doesn't tell them what their goals are and tells them what to do, basically says, hey, how can I support you in achieving the goals that you want? They like a, a supervisor who motivates them and they want somebody who can help coach them to build on their strengths. So that was the second factor. The third aspect was balancing both both personal and corporate well-being. So in a workplace with a well-being program that promotes not only corporate well-being while you're in the office, but your overall well-being for your personal life as well. What they found was that focusing on employees' personal well-being is critical for well-being at work because individuals' personal well-being directly influences their overall health, job satisfaction, engagement, and performance. So what they found was that when employees prioritize uh, sorry, when employers prioritize and support their employees' personal well-being, it creates a positive and supportive work environment that leads to so many important outcomes. And very specifically, those they found that those employers who prioritized and supported employees' personal well-being beyond when they were at the office found that they had employees who had improved job satisfaction, enhanced engagement, reduced stress and burnout, increased resilience, positive organizational culture, higher productivity and performance, improved uh, staff retention and talent uh, attraction. They had significant healthcare cost reduction, improved work-life balance for all the employees, and improved long-term organizational success. So a whole bunch of benefits, obviously. You can understand all of that. I'm not gonna dive into each of those specifically, but that is a massive list of success, I think, for trying to focus on personal well-being as well as positive well-being. So again, Three, those first three of the five factors that I think are really important for our employee well-being model uh, were my job, my manager, and overall holistic well-being, both personal and professional. Now, two key additional factors. These come from 
the two remaining ones that I want to talk about in my top five. These come from a variety of different studies, and I see these time and time again. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is clarity of roles of responsibility. So having clear expectations about job responsibilities, performance standards, and goals help to reduce ambiguity and stress. Employees who understand their roles and how their, their, their contributions contribute to the overall success of the organization tend to experience greater well-being. I can also tell you I've done separate studies on how to create thriving teams, and one of the top top say seven factors that I have found in all of my studies across the last 23 years has been clarity of roles and responsibilities that it improves not only your own performance but the performance of the team that you have around you. Okay the fifth factor that I want to talk about was alignment of personal values and goals of the corporate ones. When employees feel that their personal values align with the values of the organization it enhances their sense of belonging and well-being. And again, I have found this from my own research in high-performing teams and high-performing organizations, particularly within the community sector, that those individuals who feel like their own personal values uh, and goals and their purpose in life aligns with both their team and their organization, they are going to feel uh, improved safety, improved trust, uh, improved sense of belonging, uh, and reduced stress and a feeling like it's not just work, oh, i got to do this, but hey, this is something I want to do, and I'm doing this in an environment that supports me and who I want to be. So again, those five important elements, these are the main elements that I would stress in a model for well-being at work, include your job, more specifically making it strengths-based, meaningful and engaging. Number two, your supervisor, acting as a coach, motivator, and supporter. Number three, balancing or sort of enhancing both personal and professional well-being. Number four was clarity of roles and responsibilities. And then number five was alignment of personal values and goals with corporate ones. Okay, that's all I wanted to do today. I wanted to make it sort of short and sweet compared to my usual podcasts. So today I gave you, I think, a lot of food to think about in terms of what it means to achieve well-being at work. So we talked about what, what that means, what well-being at work means. We talked about some of the principles for achieving it. And I gave you five of the evidence-based factors that I think are the most important ones. And there's so much more out there. I know I'm going to do further podcasts on this in the future. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that if you think about it. All right. I hope you had a chance to think about how you could apply this at your workplace as you were listening, if you're in a position to do so. And if you do try to do that and you have any questions or challenges, let me know. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks, everybody.